Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to another edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz from NCAA.com. On this edition of our podcast, I'll be joined by the Hall of Famer from Kansas, Kansas head coach Bill Self, Nebraska's Tim Miles, as well as Danny Hurley from Rhode Island. All that coming up on this edition of our show. Next week is the Big Ten Tournament. It's kind of crazy that it's uh, come so fast that the Big Ten is starting already. You know, they compressed their schedule to make it work uh, so that they can play in Madison Square Garden. I think ultimately uh, it's a one-off. They will love the fact that uh, they were able to pull this off. And uh, I think they're going to have a great environment next week at Madison Square Garden. Michigan State has returned to the top of the Big Ten as we are taping. Uh, They are now a top three team yet again in the top 25. And uh, really the the same three teams that I think we talked about weeks ago are looking like they are the potential favorites going into the NCAA tournament, uh, which will start in a couple weeks, Virginia, Michigan State, and Villanova. Uh, but there are plenty of schools, whether it's Duke, Xavier, Gonzaga, Texas Tech, Kansas, Purdue, North Carolina, Wichita State, Cincinnati, Arizona. I think uh, you could go deep to Michigan or Rhode Island. There really are a dozen schools that I think we could look at as possibly being champs. Because I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think this could be comparable to that year in 2014 where UConn got hot for six games. You know, in my Power 36 I struggle at the back end of the Power 36 to sort of fill the feel the field in the back end. But the top teams, I'm sort of just shuffling the deck. I've got sort of the same group of teams uh, that I've had near, near the top. And, and by the way, I will say this, and I will continue to say this, that the, t- the Power 36, like all rankings, should be who's playing well now. They're not a seed line. That's the difference that you want to make sure that you're looking at. This is not a seeding. It is a ranking. That'll switch here in a couple weeks when we get to the Selection Sunday, which is just um, two weeks away as you're listening to this, uh, two weeks from Sunday. So pretty close. It's all happening so fast. But I want to get to my coaches, uh, my guests on the podcast this week. I'm going to start with the Hall of Famer from Kansas, Bill Self. And joining me here on March Madness 365, Kansas Hall of Fame head coach Bill Self and Bill, you guys are uh, in your quest for a 14th straight Big 12 regular season title. It's still crazy to hear that number. Um, Every year, there's a worthy adversary. Uh, What have you thought of those that have challenged you guys this season? Well, I think, you know, the advantage is still in uh, Texas Tech's uh, uh, lap, to be honest, because we played them at their place. You know, they've already beaten us uh, at our place, and so – you know, even though we're we're happy to have four losses going into the last three games, you know they're they're in the same boat in that regard, and they'll play two of their last three at home, or we'll play two of our last three on the road, including going there. So it's it's still a long ways away from putting ourselves in a position to to be able to set atop the, the the league. But certainly, we're trying hard. We we put ourselves in this position by by not taking care of business at home, but a couple of times. But but uh, but hopefully, we can make up for it and go win a huge game on Saturday. 
So to that point, you, you guys have, over this stretch of 13 in a row, you've had a lot of teams that have really pushed you at different points of the season. What have you thought the manner in which Texas Tech has now challenged you guys? Well, I think Tech is the most sound team in our league without question. And, and uh, you could certainly say that they've been the most consistent performer in our league all year long. Uh, they have balance and, and, and uh, interchangeable parts and, and, and have unbelievable athletic ability, especially with their younger kids. And, and, uh, and they're very well drilled. I mean, Chris, Chris Beard has done a, and his staff have done a phenomenal job and, and, uh, and have done things the right way. And, and certainly they share the ball. And, and then, and then on top of that, they, they've got a, they've got a legitimate go-to guy. They, they, Keenan Evans has emerged as a, definitely a, a player of the year candidate in our league. And, and certainly, uh, uh, That'll be fun to watch he and Devontae Graham go against each other on Saturday. Bill, in what way has your team changed over the last six weeks? Well, you know, Andy, I think we're I think we're better now. Hopefully, we're hopefully we're on an uptick. But I, but I, I you know, to be real candid, I I think that we've gone through periods of time where we haven't rebounded the ball at all. To maybe we rebounded decently, and then we're back to not rebounding it very well. Uh, we've gone times where we shot the heck out of it. And then we go stale and then, and then shoot the heck out of it again. So I, I don't know that we're a ton different than we were uh, uh, six weeks ago, but we're a ton different than we were three weeks ago. And and because uh, we've been we've been up and down, and hopefully we're finding finding the, uh, uh, our groove a little bit and finding some consistency. And and uh, you know we do have four good guards that can play around one really good big, and and you know that's usually pretty hard to guard if we can just you know contain people on the other end. You know, I'm looking at some of these teams around the country and, you know, like Michigan State, uh, who I know you know well, they still have a lot of room for growth. I think Duke does. In what way do you guys still have room for growth here in the final couple weeks? Well, I think uh, uh, Mitch Lightfoot and Silvio D'Souza uh, gives us more depth. I think, you know, we have confidence in both of them. And Silvio had a really good game against Oklahoma last time out. And, you know, it's, we've kind of thrown him in the fire and, and it hasn't quite worked out the way that we all thought it would. But, but, He's gaining on it, and hopefully from this point forward, it'll be a, a really positive uh, asset for us off the bench. And 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 then, uh, uh, you know, to me, so much of our team is LeGerald Vick. And, and when we haven't been good, it's usually been, been usually been because of, of of one or two guys for whatever reasons that, that have, have been a little bit in a funk. And he is such a an energy giver for us. If, if he can just keep playing at a at a pretty elite level, I, I do think he can take our our, our team as far as personality, mindset, energy, all those things, he can take it to a, to a level that, that, that we can't get to without him. So naturally, you know, you look at Michigan State and, you know, love their personnel, you know, unbelievably coached, all the things. I don't know that our upside is, is what Michigan State is. They got length, they got size, they got depth, they got shooters, you know, they got a, a point guard that can initiate and, and, and finish passes to make uh, uh, finish plays off the pass. I mean, they they got a lot of things that they got going for us. But on any given day, the way that we potentially can shoot the ball, we we could be a handful for anybody. And that's where I think we got to be is uh, a team that's so turned up defensively that 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 uh, you know people can't off you know offset our speed with their size and and, and then certainly be able to shoot the ball against them. You've had success with one and dones. Obviously, when you can get them, you're going to get them like anyone else. But how much satisfaction do you take from seeing guys like, you know, you're rattling out Vic and Graham and, you know, Mason last year, players that maybe didn't come in with all the hype and how now have emerged into reliable anchors for you as you compete for another championship? Well, you, you know, last year it was uh, 
you know, Landon Lucas and and uh, and Frank Mason. I mean, just rocks for us. And 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 this year it's it's Sviatoslav Mikhailuk and and uh, and certainly Devontae Graham. I, I really believe that the the best teams are probably the ones where your youngest players, maybe your most talented. But you got to have a foundation, and you got to have, and, and that has to be your experienced guys. And 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 uh, you know we're fortunate that that we've had that the last couple of years. But I would tell you this: we get five one and duns every year. You know we right, do that right. too. But the whole thing is that you know the the the, the climate is, is such where where you know in, unless there's an unbelievable serious uh, uh, separation in talent, which there may be with one or two teams. Uh, you know, primarily Duke. You know, with 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 uh, with their three or four young guys. But the the reality of it is, there's not that much difference between a super talented freshman and a and a and a really good talented, uh, experienced junior or senior. Uh, and and certainly, the most talent doesn't make the best teams. It's 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 the the best talent playing together that makes the best teams. And 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 sometimes it takes a while to kind of find that uh, find that groove where you can kind of gel. You know, I go back to uh, your game against Nebraska, and sometimes it's, it's crazy where, like, one shot can change the direction. And, and McCulloch's game winner, if, Nebraska, if that doesn't go down and Nebraska wins that game, you know, that's the kind of team that feels like, okay, we may be in the NCAA tournament, but they don't have that one win. W- when you have those early games, and I don't know how much you've been on the other side, like 10 miles at Nebraska, but where it goes down and you're in the moment, but then when you look back and say, boy, if that didn't go down, how would that have changed? And for the other team, when it did, how that can affect? Well, you know, that that's what's so crazy about sports is, you know, I, whether it goes in or not doesn't change the fact of how you played that day. You know, uh, Nebraska didn't play worse because he made the shot or they wouldn't have played better if he missed it. And that's the same way with us. Uh, you know, it's just individual guys a lot of times just making an individual play and, and – uh, uh, but yeah, that we we've been the beneficiary of, of some of those close games, and and certainly uh, you know you, you look at you look at Tim, and and I, I I don't study it like you do the the Big Ten, but they've had an unbelievable year, a terrific year, and 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 still yet from what I hear the pundits saying, they they still got some work to do, and and I'm like going, guys, you're in fourth or place or whatever, and the. In the Big Ten, and you still got work to do. I mean, that didn't make any sense to me. But but th- those early season games do definitely carry weight, especially especially you know if if you're a, a bubble type team, and and uh, that's that's why it's important, I think, to always play a tough schedule because you know if you just get one of those wins, a lot of times that's the difference in getting in and not getting in. And to that point, I know you were part of the group that's talked about changing the way the selection committee will look at selecting teams, uh, putting more weight on road neutrals. And you guys have historically, I don't care where you've been, certainly in Kansas, but before that have looked to play those kind of games. Um, how much do you think that will have an effect, the rewarding the teams that went out, played quality games on a neutral uh, you know, or on the road and actually won those? Well, I, I, th- I think there's no doubt it will have an effect because – if you look at the metrics, as you know, in, in quadrant one or quadrant two, and you probably understand it better than I do, what what was considered to be a, a great win before may not be a great win now. And what was considered to be a, an average win before may be a great win now. Uh, you know, you, you, you think about beating the top 70 team on the road, that carries more weight than beating the top 31 team at home. I mean, uh, uh, the 31-ranked team at home. And so – so th- th- there's going to be some benefit to it. It's definitely going to change some things, and, and I'm sure the committee will use that 
uh, because that was kind of what everyone agreed on as, as, as a measure on seating and, and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, the eye test, in my opinion, is still probably the best formula, but that's, that's so hard to do when you have so many different opinions. But, but, uh, I, I do think that I do think that's a change for the positive, and and the RPI is something that everybody has used as as kind of the the, the what we judge things on, and and you know there's a lot of people think the RPI is not not that good. A lot of people think BPI is better. I I think the next step would be can we come away with something that we can average in where that is the metric that we use for for uh, the criteria as opposed to all of them combined. And one last thing before I let you go, Bill, uh, you know, I, I kind of have a feeling, I could be wrong here, but this is a feeling kind of like 2014 when, you know, UConn got hot. Now they had Shabazz Napier, but, they, you know, they had that kind of breakdown guard. But they got hot. They win the national championship. You could argue whether it was Wisconsin or, or Florida were the best teams of that Final Four. That was sort of a, I don't know if I should say average for Cal, Kentucky team, but it wasn't his best team that ended up playing the national championship game against UConn. What do you think the chances are we could be looking at, you know, a team that just gets hot for six games that may not be in that, that top five, top ten that could challenge the national championship? Oh, I, I, there's no question that can happen. And when you say may not be in the top five, you know, you could talk about in the country or you could talk about in the seats. You know, there may be a six seed or, 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 or whatever, or seven or eight or what, nine, whatever, that could challenge and get hot at the right time. That, that has happened in the past. It's been rare. But if I'm not mistaken, didn't Kentucky, when UConn beat them, uh, wasn't Kentucky an eight seed or, or whatever? Yeah, I think that was uh, a seven uh, versus eight. Yeah, I mean, that could happen again. I, I don't think that's far off if if, uh, if the, the right players get hot at the right time. Uh, you, you would still think the percentage play would be the ones that have shown consistently, consistency throughout the year. But as we've all found out, you know, it's a it's you know 1988 Kansas won it on 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 Danny's back that was just a six game tournament that 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 you know they had 11 losses that year so I, I I think it's very possible that that this could be a year that somebody like that could do it. Bill Self, Kansas Hall of Fame head coach, thanks for joining us here on March Madness 365. Okay, Andy. Coming up on March Madness 365, Nebraska head coach Tim Miles. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Nebraska head coach Tim Miles and the Huskers are the epitome of a bubble team in this way. Great record in the Big Ten, but if you peel back that onion a little bit, the unbalanced schedule can burn you in some ways because you didn't get as many of those great teams, or great teams, very good teams at the top of the Big Ten in your own building and a chance to at least play them, either whether they're at home or twice this season. And so that's where you are as Nebraska goes this weekend to try to beat Penn State at home and then on to the Big Ten tournament as a potential four seed and get that double bye. So where, in terms of how you assess your situation right now, Tim, how do you feel about it? Well, I think, you know, obviously when you talk about, uh, you're, you're right on when you talk about our team sheet and our quadrant one, you know, wins and losses. I think we're one and six in Q1. Uh, with, you know, Michigan, who's 29 in the RPI, and you need a top 30 win. You, you know, I don't know if the committee looks at, you know, Minnesota was the top 20 RPI team, and we beat them before they lost Reggie Lentz and before Amir Coffey got hurt and Dupree McBrayer had injuries. You know, do they do they count that as a quad one win? You know, what's unique is, you know, you can still find top, you know, it used to be top 50 wins, top 100 wins. And it used to be you could find, top, you know, 
top 100 when it was a big deal. Now you can sub t- top 100 wins in quadrant three. So it's, it's, you know, I don't know if quad one is the holy grail of everything they're deciding. I don't know if the RPI and the strength of schedule are. Who knows? Um, I think we'll learn more about the new way that they're inspecting teams, but I do know that it, we've got a great committee, and, and I know Nebraska, I want Nebraska to win as many games as possible, so I don't want to just uh, stop here. We, you know, we've done a good job. We're 21 and uh, – are we 21? Yeah, 21 and 9, and um, which is a great regular season, but we've got a tough game with Penn State coming up, and, you know, I always feel like you need to win more to feel more comfortable. There's no doubt about it. Well, here's what I would also say, Tim, is that when you play teams matter. And so, for example, when you beat Minnesota, that game should carry much more weight than if you were to play Minnesota now. Minnesota is not the same team. When you played them then, they were a top 15 type team. They might have been ranked 14 at the time. And this would be the same thing for Providence and Alabama, two games I actually saw Minnesota in. You know, that's not a bad loss for Providence. At the time, that was a really good Minnesota team that went in and beat Providence in Providence, and same with Alabama. So context matters. Uh, You know, conversely, you weren't the same team when you went to St. John's, and St. John's wasn't the same team then. You know, if you played St. John's now... Well, yeah, Marcus Lovett's out. Yeah, I mean, you play St. John's now, and, you know, that's a different game because they've just beaten Villanova, Duke... And so I'm hoping the committee will also look at that of when games were played, who was playing at the time, because you are a different team now than you were, you know, earlier in the season. Yeah, you look at us from January 1st, and even by the way, our Central Florida game with Taco Fall, who's now been hurt. You know, when you try and score against that guy, good luck, right? right? And I was watching, I think it was Houston go in. And Rob Gray got like four straight layups down the, the vault. And, and Calvin Sims got it, it done a phenomenal job. Don't get me wrong. But all I remember thinking is if Old Taco was in there, that wouldn't be happening right now. <laughs> like you'd have to be taking a jumper. But, you know, that's really hurt Johnny's team. And that's too bad because they've had some real key injuries. But if you look at this over the long haul, Andy, I think you're right. You know, the committee, I think, does is sensitive to those things. Like, you know, Providence right now, Minnesota shows up as a bad loss. No way should that show up as a bad loss. You know, that, uh, that's not a bad loss for them. That was a heck of a basketball team that they played. So, you know, there's a lot of bubble teams affected by that, and every bubble team's got their weaknesses. And so, you know, as we go forward, all we can do is control what we can do. What I do hope we can do is be a top four seed in the Big Ten tournament because that's really critical to your chance to win that tournament. And then you could shut everybody up and just win the tournament, be a Big Ten champion, and get in anyway, right? And I tell our guys, you know, if we could win the Big Ten tournament, we might be a six seed. <laughs> yeah, right, I'm right, serious. right. It, you know, I mean, everybody's like, oh, you know, they're playing barely on the bubble. This, well, we win a couple more games, and you know, I, I'm serious. You know, if, if by that time uh, you've won some some other uh, high level games, even getting the championship game, you might be a, a six or seven seed. So. I think it'll be really interesting to see where things uh, flesh out. Well, and also, you know, you, you had a bunch of transfers, and that can go one or two ways, but it also can take some time to develop into a team that is playing, you know, as one, if you will. I mean, h- how would you uh, sort of describe the way you had to sort of put these pieces together to get to this point? Well, there's no question, you know, as we came into the year, just look at Isaac Copeland, who this summer had back surgery. 
you know, back surgery is no joke. Um, and so uh, he really started to look good. I thought, like, when we played at Northwestern, you started to see what Isaac Colton looks like, you know, the kind of player he can be. And, and I, you know, as I looked at that, I thought, you know, this is the guy that was a highly rated recruit. This is why he was a well-fought after, you know, um, high-level national um, uh, signee at Georgetown. And then, you know, he just ended up, you know, playing hurt, not being able to play the way he can play, decided to transfer, we got him healthy, and now he's playing. You know, he gives us a whole different dimension when you start to add Isaiah Roby, James Palmer developing into a real go-to guy. And then Glenn Watson trying to figure out where he fits in and all that. And um, there's still a little bit of that day-to-day, but at the same time, I mean, the guys really, I think, have a great feel for who we are, what we're about, what our strengths are. And, and I think it shows in our record the last two months. Tim, the Svi uh, Mikhailik, yeah, I, why do I always butcher this name? But his... Oh, Mikhailuk? Mikhailuk, Mikhailuk, Mikhailuk. His shot, and I talked... Um, earlier in the podcast with Bill Self on this. And we were talking about you and your team and and how that one shot should not define you. Like, yes, if, if it doesn't go down and you win that game, you've got that awesome quad one win and people are chilling on sort of where you stand. Yet, if you're a tournament team or if you're, you know, a team that uh, should be considered as such, you know, should it really be defined by whether or not one shot went down? How do you look back on something like that? Uh, well, with every regret possible that I didn't call a timeout, <laughs> you know, seven seconds left and try and run something at least that, you know, we could do. But at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, that game, you know, when you look at the, the game and the lead changes, um, you know, really an even game. And that was at a time we were still discovering ourselves. I feel like. You know, even if we played it now, we play much better, and Kansas might say the same because Malik Newman is not the player he is now that he was then. He's playing much better. You know, so he's, you know, Coach Self said guys developed there too um, as things have gone on. But I still think if we play Kansas, it'd be the same game. It would just be a knockdown drag out down to the last shot. And I think we're at that level, and they're a top 15 type level team. Uh, but we just, you know, I haven't won enough and haven't won enough big games. And as we've said before, you know, that the non-balanced schedule really hurt us this year having, you know, Ohio State on the road only, having Purdue on the road only, having Michigan State on the road only, never getting those high qualities. I think, uh, you know, if you look at our quad one uh, conference games, you know, these, these aren't, it's 11, it's 15, it's 20. You know I mean? These are in Creighton, who we lost to at Creighton, uh, is 36 now, and they were 25 a week, two weeks ago. And by the way, and when so, you played Creighton, they were healthy, which they're not now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had uh, Martin uh, Crumple with them. Right. And, uh, you know, and so they were a different team. And, and that was a game that went down in the final possession. So, you know, you looked at it. Really, Michigan State got us pretty good. They, they But that was when they were playing light. Uh, they'd, beat, they'd run Purdue or uh, Notre Dame off the floor with Bonzi Colson in the game, you know, they were up 30, like at halftime, they were just demolishing people. And we just happened to get into that, you know, wood, wood, wood chipper. And um, being from Fargo originally, I need to be able to say that on, on occasion <laughs> to keep folks happy. But, we, you know, when you look at it, you know, that was the one game I think that we didn't compete well. And St. John's, 
but but really when you look at you know your opportunity we didn't you know you, we haven't even had many top 50 to 70 road games that are q1 games it's been 35 and higher you know and so that's the way it goes uh, we played elite teams that are going to be elite teams and win in the ncaa tournament we just had one at home it was kansas the others were on the road we've competed fine but we haven't won and you know sometimes it comes down to that and Hopefully, I think when you, you know, and I don't, I don't know what the eye test means, but I do know this, that we have a team that can capable of beating just about anybody any night. And, um, uh, and we're still, you know, growing and developing. We have room for growth, which I, which I think is really good. So hopefully we've got some really good basketball uh, in us. And I know we've got postseason in us regardless. Uh, and so we're excited to keep this thing going throughout March. And you can end the regular season with what I would anticipate would be maybe one of the more, you know, uh, hyped home games this late in the season that Nebraska's had in a long time. Your game against Penn State this weekend. Yeah, probably 2014 where we had number nine or eight Wisconsin coming in, and we had a no-sit Sunday, which was so cool. The crowd did not sit for – there was a there's a story around there's a 88, 89-year-old gentleman at the time that – some young guy sat down in front of him and he says, Hey kid, if I can stand, you can stand. And, uh, it was during one of the timeouts or whatever. And sure enough, you know, the kid got back. Oh, yes, sir. And, um, the, that was really a cool event. I don't know if you can ever replicate that, but every moment is, is special. And, and this will certainly be a huge game, a well fought out game. I'm sure it'll come down to the wire. And, uh, I'm really excited about, you know, Pat, what Pat Chambers has done. I've, Hopefully people admire the, the talent and the job Pat's done at Penn State because that is an ultra-talented group that can beat anybody on any night. And you know what the beauty is? When you come home, win or lose, as you've shown on social media, your dog's going to be right there for you. <laughs> Sammy, you should have seen her last night. I got a picture. I haven't posted it yet. But I, I uh, was trying to get on on the Internet just to look at some stuff, and she ran down and kept sticking her nose under my arm, you know, between the, uh, the lazy boy chair, trying to get me to pet her. And I'm like, you know, Sammy, I'm excited about beating Indiana too, but you're just so excited. I had to put my computer down and give her a whole bunch of hugs and kisses because she deserved it. <laughs> well, Tim, we appreciate it. We'll be watching, obviously, what happens against Penn State this weekend. And uh, I know I will see you next week in New York at the Big Ten Tournament. Andy, thanks for having me on. We love having you part of the Big Ten Network. And and uh, I'm happy to see you on TV and listen to your podcast. You're doing an awesome job, so appreciate you having us on. All right, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Andy. Next up on March Madness 365, Rhode Island head coach Danny Hurley. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Rhode Island head coach Danny Hurley and the Rams uh, continue to win. That's all they got to do. Now, they had the one blip at St. Bonaventure in a crazy environment in Olean, but that's fine. Uh, that's expected to at least drop one game. Overtime win over LaSalle on the road. Uh, Danny, what do you think has been the, the recipe for this team's ability to play so well in late-game situations, whether it's at home or on the road? Yeah, I mean, the St. Bonaventure game was probably the, you know, the one outlier, you know, having the five-point lead with – you know, three and a half minutes to go and not, you know, holding on to that lead, you know, with the guards we have, their experience, their talent, you know, the confidence and poise that they have. We've just, you know, we feel comfortable down the stretch of games that, uh, you know, that they're going to make the right decisions that we're, 
you're going to make, you know, big free throws and, and make those winning plays that decide games. The environment in Olean, how would you describe it? Yeah, I would say it was almost, you know, you felt like, you know, you were just entering like kind of like a steel cage, you know, and like the WWE or, you know, or the old school WWF. It was almost like entering into a steel cage match when you walked through, you know, through the doors, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it, it was, uh, it was an angry crowd and, uh, an intense environment and they have an outstanding team, you know, as good a, as good a guard tandem as, uh, as we've played against almost since I've been here. And, uh, you know, and, and in my mind, NCAA tournament team, and they're as good as, you know, almost anyone we've played with the exception of Virginia. Yeah. You know, and you were very quick to point that out in the postgame news conference. Uh, I mean, how would you say they passed your eye test? Well, I mean, we're, uh, you know, you, you've got to play well to beat us. You know, if you look at, you know, our season, you know, we've lost, uh, you know, the Virginia game, which, you know, we didn't have EC Matthews and we didn't have, you know, Cyril Langevine was the only game that we didn't have, you know, a, a real chance to win late, you know, at Nevada, at Alabama, you know, were four and three point losses. And then the, you know, the Bonaventure game was a three point loss. So, and every other game we've won. So, you know, we only lose the quality and, um, you know, they're, they're, they're a high quality team. Danny, the fact that you guys are the hunted rather than the hunter, how has that approach sort of changed with your guys in terms of their ability to stay sort of locked in? Well, it's, it's definitely a different, you know, thing for us, you know, here. It's been, you know, it's been all about the climb the first, you know, the first bunch of years. And then, you know, now it's, uh, you know, you got this big target. And, uh, you know, our guys are starting to understand that we're getting – a different opponent sometimes than what we're seeing on TV. When you have a number in front of your name, um, you know, and you, and, and you're starting to, you know, develop some type of a national reputation, you know, you get, you know, the other teams, you know, a game every time, a, a, a locked in performance. And, um, you know, that's something that, you know, we're learning to be prepared for every night. You know, because I mean, one thing that's interesting and I'm not trying to have you break down Northwestern, but, you know, Chris Collins is going through a little bit of a hard time with that this season where, you know, they, they tried forever, predated him, obviously, never been in the NCAA tournament, and that team gets there. And it's essentially the core group is back, and they have a hard time, and he's admitted this, sort of handling that of those expectations now that you've been there. What did you try to do a little bit maybe differently once you were able to conquer that mountain last season as you approached with the same group to keep them hungry the second time around? You know, Andy, we enjoyed it, uh, you know, for, you know, for a while, you know, that, that, that team last year, these guys, they, uh, you know, they did something that hadn't been done, done in, in a while here, you know, which was, you know, win a championship and get to the tournament. And, uh, you know, so we celebrated that. We enjoyed that. That was a great accomplishment. And, you know, then what we've harped on really since, you know, probably, you know, May, um, once the guys came in for summer was, you know, that, you know, last year was great, was great, but it could have been better. You know, four-point lead versus Oregon. You know, you, we've got to close that game out, win that game, and and uh, you know, and advance. And that's something that I think our guys, uh, you know, like last year was great, but they felt like we you know we left an opportunity on the table to experience something even better. And uh, I think that's just what's kind of kept us really, really hungry. I'm curious, how much have you talked to Bobby about uh, sort of the roller coaster season he's had? Because early in the year. And they were phenomenal. They were top five good, and they get in the league, and, you know, the shots aren't falling as well. And, 
And it's been, you know, it's been a struggle to sort of maintain that. And then they had that opportunity, obviously, against Arizona to slip by at home. I mean, they're going to be in the tournament, but, you know, it hasn't been as easy as it maybe it, it was going to look when they, uh, you know, hit the new year. Yeah, it's, it's like we talk, uh, you know, we, we talk about this stuff every day, you know, and it's, it's just weird because you're, your seasons, you know, you have peaks and valleys at, at different times. And, you know, one of us, you know, at one time of the year, will have it, you know, have it going great. And the other one, you know, is, is on a losing streak. So the, you know, you, you find, you know, you find yourselves trying to pick each other up. It's just, you know, the level that, that the, that the uh, Sun Devils played at early, I don't think there's a team in the country that, you know, could have kept up that pace. And you see it across college basketball, the parity, especially in conference games, you know, when you play, Every two or three days, uh, you know, conference game, those are, those are hard to win. And, um, you know, you know each other so well. But you know, he's confident, and uh, I think he's got a, a team that's built for tournament play because of uh, how explosive they can be offensively. So I think he's feeling good right now about where they're at and, uh, you know, is excited about March. You know, Danny, I, I've heard so many coaches over the years view conference tournaments a little bit differently. I mean, some when they know they're in – and maybe their seed is, you know, somewhat within a, a decent range. They go into these tournaments not as, you know, feeling the stress and the pressure that, you know, others may if you absolutely have to win it. Uh, you've been in that situation, uh, yet you guys are still kind of the new kids on the block in terms of trying to make sure you've established yourself in the right seed line and all that. So what's going to be your approach to, to telling these guys as they go into this conference tournament uh, within two weeks to where, you know, whoever you go against – they're going to, they may need to win this thing and they may have that sense of urgency that you guys have had, you know, this past year. Yeah. I think the, um, you know, the St. Bonaventure game is going to be a great, you know, example for our guys, you know, for the rest of the, for the rest of the season. You know, I think, uh, you know, that was hopefully a wake up call for us in terms of, um, you know, the, the level of urgency that you have to play with. It was the first time I think, you know, all season that, you know, we, we played against a team that was a little bit hungrier than us that night. And, uh, you know, how hard we play is our calling card. And um, you know, I think just that night, that Friday night and only, and uh, I think is going to be uh, you know, something we could draw from that will have us ready to go uh, when we get to D.C. And, Danny, you know, I, I had Bill Self on the podcast. I asked him the same question. I, I feel like this is a year comparable to 2014 when UConn won it. But they weren't the best team. But they got hot. Now, I think you guys are one of the best teams, whether that's 10, 12, however many, you know, you want to put out there. But, um, you know, how much do you think the way things have gone this season that we could see, you know, a team like that, whether they're a five, a six or seven or someone like that, that just gets hot, has good guard play and wins six games and wins the title? I think, you know, after watching, you know, six weeks of the season, I think, you know, somebody on my staff, maybe David Cox came in, you know, to, uh, you know, staff meeting and said, man, this is a good year to be good because it's, you know, I think it's pretty open. I think obviously the NCAA tournament, it's a lot about matchups, you know, but uh, I just think there's so much parity and so, you know, uh, you know, so little separation. I don't think you'd be surprised if, if any team lost on the opening weekend. Danny Hurley, a head coach of the Rhode Island Rams, who have been one of the best stories this season. Thanks for joining us on March Madness 365. Thanks, Andy, man. And that'll wrap up March Madness 365 for this edition here on the podcast. I appreciate my guests joining me on this edition of our show. You can always find our podcast on iTunes, on Twitter, at March Madness, at TheAndyCats, and, of course, at NCAA.com. We'll be talking to you next week. I'll be in New York for the Big Ten Tournament. 
as we uh, record another podcast for you. We are March Madness 365, covering the game all year round. Thanks for listening.